0: welcome to insight the insurance news podcast hosted by me andrew Sawcox. in this week's edition of insight it's episode 137 whoop whoop who cares i hear you cry for many people mostly my physicist father the number 137 is a bridge between the tangible world of science and the intangible realm of mysticism seriously look it up it would be more interesting than this intro poppycock not just about the number 137, but this El Nino kerfuffle just seems a bit of Codswallop, really. It's supposed to be sunny, summer, but it's monkeys outside. Stonking. Marsh have finally got their laughing gear around the acquisition of Honan, and it's looking like the full Monty. And tickety-boo. CGU's trying to show some love to brokers to get away from their damp, squib reputation they've had for donkey's years. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Senior Journalist's Miranda Maxwell and Benice Han, editor John Deeks and chairman Terry McMullen. Welcome back, Miranda.
1: Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be back.
0: Where the devil have you been?
1: Oh, you know, like, don't ask, don't tell.
0: <laughs> Hello, Benice. Hi, Andrew. What's your favourite number? Nine. <laughs> and we're not going to get any more out of that.
2: <laughs> I can't give you the answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome, Terry. Good morning. Are you like the number 137, a fine structured constant or the determination of how stars burn? Wow.
3: Uh, Yeah, I could be, Andrew. If if there was some way of doing it, roll on the next episode.
0: (laughs) Hello, John. Hello. Did you appreciate the best of British language in the intro? Yeah, some some good retro phrases there. Well
3: done.
4: Excellent. Any I missed? I don't know. I come out with lots of random ones to my kids and they don't know what I'm on about. The pot calling the kettle black and all that kind of stuff.
3: (laughs) You should have started earlier, John. They're very important, those proverbs. (laughs)
0: And good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. In what has become a strange tradition, you're always last to be greeted, but first to be questioned. It's El Nino, Wendy, but you wouldn't know it. What's going on with our weather?
5: Well, yes, there have been uh, storms from South Australia through the Queensland last week with some particularly heavy rainfall and flooding in southern New South Wales and and parts of Victoria. And the Bureau says there's been this low pressure uh, system which dragged moisture down from the tropics and and pushed it into that region. And some places were getting more than a usual month's rainfall in a day or two, mostly a lot of smaller areas that were affected. um, But there've been several thousand claims lodged with insurers. You know, it's not the size of a catastrophe um, event, but it's probably been the most widespread weather, bad weather that we've had for quite a while. And it had followed a period of relatively dry conditions earlier in the spring.
0: Well, despite all this, Miranda, there's a severe risk of bushfire across much of the country still.
1: Yes, there is. You might not think so with all the rain we've just had this week, but particularly across Queensland, New South Wales and the Northern Territory and also some areas of the other states, uh, there is increased risk of bushfire during summer. That's according to the National Council for Fire and Emergency Services. And New South Wales had its highest maximum temperatures since records began in recent months. And overall, Australia had the second highest. So with hot and dry conditions now forecast into the new year, the council says... A lot of those fuel loads that grew during the wet years will dry out and this will increase fire potential. We've already had some really challenging spring fires in some states and the council is also singling out as particularly unusual that areas burnt during black summer are already burning again. So those forested areas that have regrown rapidly and are primed to carry fast moving bushfires, that's unusual because typically... Areas burnt that recently would slow the spread of new fires.
0: Well, one of the most talked about deals of the year has completed Bernice. Marsh has finalised its acquisition of Honan.
2: Yeah, signed and sealed. So the industry's mega deal of the year, uh, Marshall's acquisition of uh, Honan is completed on Friday to be exact. So it's a big deal for Marsh. I mean, the global, global broken giant has said the acquisition signals its aspiration to be a market leader in the mid-market segment. As far as key executive appointments, uh, movements uh, post-acquisition are concerned, uh, there's only one that has been announced so far. So Andrew Flutsmer, the former CEO of Honan, has started a new role as Marsh's Pacific Head of Corporate and Commercial. Uh, he'll be transitioning into his new role, um, co-leading the corporate and commercial operations in the Pacific region with John Martin during the integration of the two businesses. Uh, we do expect more executive move announcements as the integration progresses. As for the Honan name, uh, it appears that Marsh is keeping it for now. So we'll wait and see. Do you think this will significantly alter the broking landscape, John?
4: Yeah, I think it's significant. Honan has been a a highly respected independent operator for decades, and and now it's joining up with one of the the global giants. To put it in perspective, Honan has about 400 employees in the region, and when it joins with, well, now that it's joined with Marsh, that brings the total number of Marsh employees in this region to 2,500 As Bernice says, the the key for Marsh is the additional strength that this deal brings to its mid-market presence. It's really looking to build that up and become one of the leaders there. We expect there will be a lengthy period of integration, probably six months or so. And then
0: when they come out the other side
4: of that, we'll see just how dominant they're going to be.
0: Well, while we're on brokers, John, CGU is trying to show them some love. That's right. We've reported several times
4: uh, in recent months about uh, IAG's intermediated division and how it 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 was struggling performance wise a couple of years back. Made a hundred million dollar loss and 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 reputation wasn't wasn't fantastic. Now Jared Hill came in from from Chubb to lead that division, and he's in charge of a turnaround plan, which is so far reaping reaping dividends already. So um, the last financial year. We were back, they were back to making a profit of more than 200 million. Now, this turnaround plan so far is focused on in, internal matters, uh, such as getting their sort of pricing and product offering uh, and appetite very, very clear. But now Mr. Hill says that they're looking externally and they want to rebuild their relationships with brokers. So they've launched a strategy called Broker Love, Uh, which is all about uh, getting back to basics, building up those relationships, helping brokers help customers uh, and taking accountability and so on. And one of the key aspects that Mr. Hill talked about was a phone-first policy. So he says during the working from home years, people got used to relying on digital communications like email and almost hiding behind a computer screen. He wants people to get back on the phones. He says that having a proper conversation Leads to a better outcome, and this is all about relationships, after all. So, emails just don't don't cut it, as far as he's concerned.
0: So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how brokers uh, respond to this new strategy. I'm possibly directing this question at the wrong person, but do you reckon phone calls are more useful than emails, Terry?
3: <laughs> they serve different purposes. I've always thought, you know, calling by phone is all about a, a human connection and if you like, a chance to really take the relationship to a, a more personal level. But the other problem with phones, of course, is that you might say something or, or promise something that uh, you didn't mean to, whereas emails are for details and they do ensure there's no misunderstanding. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, broker love? I mean, within 10 minutes of that article being published yesterday, I had two brokers telling me, by text what they thought of the approach. Uh, I can't really use the words they used, Andrew. You might ban me, but they really weren't impressed. I was surprised and in, in any insurer would really need a program like this to do something that the rest of us thought they'd be doing every day. So if you really want to show the love, give the broker the ability to make the contact rather than the other way around, Always be available and don't turn your phone off when you feel overloaded because the broker probably is too.
0: Mm, Sorcerer of milk. Well, Miranda, it's not every day that we get a new APRA licensed insurer. What is Ivory Insurance?
1: It's yes, APRA formally announced yesterday. It's granted the general insurance license to Ivory, which is based in Brisbane. I spoke with its CEO, Scott Lawrence, yesterday, and he told me it had been many years in the making Uh, The team come with some very experienced insurance pedigrees, as you'd expect. Scott Lawrence has worked at Guild, Ansvar, Zurich, and Tokyo Marine. And the CFO, Michael Tuffy, has held C-suite roles at Integrity Life and Suncor Life. Ivory is going to specialise in SME professional indemnity. Its main shareholder is Michael Wood, who is CEO at Woodena Underwriting Agency, and that's the first client on the books they say they have a more efficient legal services funding and that's how they can offer competitive PI pricing. And they'll also focus solely on Australia and they feel that's going to ring fence them from some of the really extraordinary claims seen in PI offshore.
0: Well, PI has been a problem area for many clients, Wendy.
1: Well, yes, we've often written about professions where
5: premiums have been rising or it's been difficult for them to gain cover, you know, sometimes because of various um, historical issues that have led to underwriters taking um, a particularly cautious approach. And, you know, it's been the case in areas like construction with uh, building surveyors amid the defect areas have been well publicised there. Financial planning is another area where cover has been difficult. Um, but there's always a lot of nuances within in- industries and professions and, you know, a need to take a more individualised approach can make a big difference. So a new insurer with strong local knowledge and understanding of this market would probably be very welcome. Well,
0: turning to New Zealand, Miranda, Tower is reviewing its ownership structure.
1: Tower made a statement to the Stock Exchange yesterday saying it's appointed Goldman Sachs as financial advisor and it's undertaking a strategic review of its ownership structure and exploring competition options. So, Tower is 20% owned by Bain Capital, the US private equity firm that's held that stake since early 2018, which it bought from Cos Sunco- Vero for about 50 million Australian dollars. Bain paid about 80 cents a share. Tower is now trading under 60 cents, and its share price is down 18% this year. It, it's had a tough time. Obviously, the record North Island record flooding and Cyclone Gabriel pushed out its large event costs, and its combined operating ratio rose above 100% in the latest reporting year. Inflation, motor theft, it's all been challenging. So it says the strategic review is expected to take several months and that no transactions will
2: be done before it's finished.
0: Could Taro revisit the idea of selling to one of the big two, Bernice?
2: Possibly, but that's a long shot if history is any guide. I mean, Vero, uh, Suncorp's uh, Vero Insurance New Zealand did try to buy Tower in 2017. And at that time, Vero was a minority, had a minority stake. But then the proposed takeover was blocked by New Zealand's uh, Commerce Commission. So Vero's stake was eventually sold to Bain, like uh, Miranda just mentioned. So uh, regulatory concerns sort of mean that IAG and Suncorp are probably out of the running if ever a buyer is found. One to watch is possibly Pacific International Insurance. So it's part of South Africa's uh, Badger Holdings, a specialised insurance services group. So Pacific acquired a 5.8% stake in Tower in July. Uh, So it it may well see the review as an opening to make a takeover offer, who knows. So, uh, and Pacific may not be a household name in Australia, but it does have some businesses here. It underwrites uh, NIPS travel insurance products and it underwrites pet products from online retailer Pet Circle. Well, finally, Terry, Insurance News has launched a
3: conference. Tell us all about this new event.
0: Is it exciting or uh, money for all rope?
3: Oh, Andrew, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I've got to admit it's been dominating my life for the last month, so it should. We're running our first ever national conference on March 19 next year in Sydney. And I really have to say, Andrew, I'm thrilled with the the way industry leaders have been so fantastically supportive of it. And uh, we do have an amazing lineup of speakers. We've been talking for years about running a a national conference that did nothing more than say, how did we get here and where are we going? I think that's, that's because one of the things that I do believe in communications is that the more people know about the wider environment they're working in, the better the decisions they make. So the theme of this conference is is simply, where is insurance going? With all the post-COVID chaos and so many catastrophes and all that's going on, it's really, a, I guess, a chance to take a deep breath at the start of the year and spend a day exploring the pressures the industry's under globally and locally what's going to happen next year and um, what can we do to take advantage of the opportunities and changes heading our way. That's right across the industry. Who's it aimed at? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> A very broad cross-section of the industry is probably the best way to put it. Really, anyone who wants to to hear fantastic speakers from leading positions in the industry, giving candid opinions about the industry's issues and the things that are going to impact us in the year ahead, both good and bad. So I'd say any manager and and their staff who might understand the inner workings of, of their own employer, but they've never really had the opportunity to understand just how vast and interconnected insurance really is. If you have staff whose work would be more effective with a more holistic understanding of the industry, let us say, this is a pretty unique opportunity. So check the website and book the date, March 19, 2024. Sounds useful. Maybe I should go and learn
0: something. <laughs> I
3: think you should be there, Andrew. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Wendy Pugh, John Deeks, Benice Han, Miranda Maxwell and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, on all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.